This is the Roden Fellows Podcast. Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including podcasts, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. What's up, guys? Welcome to ESPN's Anscape Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Pam Rents, a journalism student with a minor in African-American studies at Florida A&M University. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined with my two colleagues and co-hosts, Alexis Black and Scott Lipscomb. Hi, everyone. This is Alexis from North Carolina a and I am a senior journalism and mass communication student. Hey, guys. My name is Scott Lipscomb. I'm a senior mass communication major from Xavier University of Louisiana. Thanks for having me. So today, y'all, we are going to just jump right into it. We're talking about the Celebration Bowl. Celebration Bowl just ended yesterday. North Carolina Central Eagles, they took the win in overtime over Jackson State Tigers. I know there's been a lot of controversy with Deion Sanders saying he's going to Colorado. I was just biting my nails watching it from the playbacks from Twitter and seeing what was on the TV. But Alexis, she had the pleasure of being right there on the sidelines. So what do you have to say? Like, overall, what was your experience like um, watching it all go down, Alexis? Um, I would say it was you kind of had to be there to feel the energy throughout the game. Um, we went in. It was really a close game throughout the whole game. Like it would be central leading, then Jackson leading, then central. And it just kept going back and forth until the last uh, three seconds of the game. Jackson got a touchdown, then overtime. And it was just really good key moments in the game that just had everyone like on their on their tippy toes. It was just a really good game. And um, Central ended up coming up on top and through overtime. And I would just say it was very exciting to watch it from the sidelines and just see the reactions of Central's players when they realized, you know, like we just won the Celebration Bowl over an undefeated team that, um, you know, everybody's talking about, everybody, you know, just stuff like that. It's just something that it's just amazing to see and just witness. Yeah, I totally agree. I was um, really excited to see um, a lot of the um, social media hype, like prepping for the game. They brought both teams brought their bands. They had their dancers like there's a whole festival going on beforehand. How was that, Alexis? Um, I'm trying not to be biased, but I just, you know, I just don't think they're better than the Aggies. I just can't. (laughs) I, I just don't believe that. But I would say Jackson State definitely, um, the Sonic Boom of the South, they definitely were better than um, the Sound Marshall Machine of Central's. Um, It was kind of, I would say Central didn't have that many band members, so they weren't as loud as um, everyone expected them to be. And Jackson State really got there during the game. Like Jackson State was just really hype, um, getting all of the fans interactive. Like they did this thing that we don't do. Um, they make a sound and um, pe- like the Jackson State fans had palms in their hands. So when they made the sound, like you just saw all of them just say, hey. And it was just something that I just like, I thought it was so cool. And um, it was just cool just seeing that, being in another space and seeing two different um, HBCUs go at it together and 
and HBCU not being mine. And I'm not trying to be too biased, but Aggie's still on top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, subjective. Because we already know the real winners, the Rattlers. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, not the Rattlers. Uh-uh. See, but I'm a big band head, so I was definitely um, eating it up with the entrances from um, JSU's band and stuff like that. And it's always uh, really fun for, like, the championship, um, like, uh, I, I guess, entertainers to come and, and cheer on the teams for these um, out-of-state bowl games. But for sure, I think uh, what really makes it is the fans coming out of state to come in and cheer them on. Because who knows? Like, I definitely think that, um, like, crowd participation really adds to, um, you know, the the players feeling encouraged and stuff like that. But also, like, off the field, too. And, like, when you get on, like, social media, like, I really do feel for um, the one player that missed that, that winning pass for JSU. But I was really looking on social media at what they were saying about him because, you know, it's not really one player that makes or breaks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the score, like the the winning result. Like that's something he's going to carry with him for, for a long time. And I don't think that um, it was really necessary for like fans of JSU or like, you know, critics of JSU or whatever Dion got going on with Colorado. At the end of the day, that's still like, you know, a young man and we should really respect that he put in the time and like got them to the championship. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that is just always what comes with it. Um, people are always going to be opinionated. They're, they're not going to know like what was going on in his head when he was doing that play. They don't know what was happening with the team. So I feel like you just got to learn to ignore the media because everybody is going to have their opinions and it'll really like get you in the head. And there was a video that Dion posted with him, like, I know a couple of people were like, why did you post this? Like, why did you post this young man crying? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, he was in a vulnerable state. Like, he, everybody is saying it's his fault. He knows, I'm not saying it was his fault, but he definitely dropped the ball and he had it in his hand. So he understood, like, where he went wrong. And it's just like, when you put him on a spot like that and post him on your page, you're reminding people, oh, yeah, this is the player that dropped the ball when, um, we were in our last we were in our last two plays in overtime. So I understand like Dion wants to, you know, hold up this image that he's a really good coach, that he cares about the team, that he's not gonna, you know, be upset in the way it was just video, even on the um field when they lost, he was grabbing all the players to come off the field, keep their like they all were like, keep your head up, just walk off the field. But it's just certain stuff I feel like it's not for everyone. Yeah, it, it really shouldn't be for everyone's construction. Uh, everyone's consumption, truthfully, like like you said, it's a vulnerable moment. But also, you went into overtime. Like y'all bang, y'all have four other quarters to win the game. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, you're asking for a lot to ask for two miracles. Them catch them them doing a touchdown with three seconds, five seconds left in the in the fourth quarter. That was your first miracle to ask for another one in the second to catch that. I mean, I don't know. I felt like they were pushing their luck, but that's just me. I mean, at the end of the day, the MIAC is just better than the swag. So, I mean, you know, you can be prime time. You can be whoever you want to be. But when it's time to put the cleats on, time to play, this comes down to MIAC is a better conference. And we saw that this past weekend. Do y'all think that it would have had a different outcome if Dion didn't announce like 
two weeks ago that he was gonna um, go to Colorado? Personally, no. I mean, I think these are both just two really good teams. I mean, both teams dominate their conferences again. They both have two amazing quarterbacks. Um, but one thing that really stood out was just the chemistry that um, North Carolina Central has. I got to chance to interview them earlier, right before the celebration bowl, and they generally seem like they would like you know hang out with each other, all the other stuff. I definitely think it helped that you know they don't have the same media attention that Jackson State had, where everything Jackson State does is under a microscope. It's going to be a think piece about it, whereas Central has kind of just been allowed to hey, you know, if we win, we win; if we lose, we lose. But you know, they're having fun playing a sport that they love. Whereas Jackson State, you know, when you have a coach like Dion, who's an amazing um, football player everything just becomes a media frenzy. So I definitely think there's a lot more pressure on Jackson State. Yeah, and I would kind of add on to that. I was able to talk to these teams personally when we had um, the Taste of Celebration Bowl dinner in like the Coca-Cola factory. Um, I was just able to tell between the two different teams just who was closer, who was more genuine and Personally, I knew from the beginning, like, Central is going to win this just because I know when a team works better together, when that bond is there, they have a better chance of um, being, like, to just winning it all. And I was able to see that, you know, Jackson State was kind of, you know, hey, how you doing, whatever. And Central was actually talking to me, like, they were getting to know me as a person. So it was just kind of cool just being able to personally see what type of teams they were like, like central was dancing. I was like, who was from Baltimore? And he's like, I'm from Baltimore. So just um, being able to um, personally meet them and see like up close, like what type of teams, what type of people are on these teams and what do they think? Like, are they walking around like, yeah, I'm at the celebration bowl and you're nothing to me or I'm at a celebration bowl and I worked so hard to get here and you're going to see how much I worked like to get in this position. See, and that really speaks a lot to their character and like how the coaches raise them to be like players and like at like good people and of good character for society, truthfully. And overall, I think that just shows what was put out on like the field. I personally do think that it did like, Deion Sanders saying that he was going to Colorado affected the outcome of this game because I feel like it changed the chemistry of JSU's team and their teammates because some of their teammates are going with them to Colorado and there's a lot of pushback and like discourse with all HBCU fanatics and and alum and current students saying like okay well he shouldn't have gone he should be going da 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 a lot of those players are having an answer to that. A lot of players are receiving backlash for leaving too. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of distrust and a lot of hurt feelings on that team that have changed the chemistry. Whereas the Eagles, they've been pushing in a whole different conference all season. They kept their head on straight. Like they were saying in post game um, interviews that this was always the end goal. And they like stayed level-headed and eye on the prize the whole time where they didn't really have this kind of drama and this kind of like spotlight on them for the last, what, three, four months. What was your um, take from like the turning point in the game? Like, when did you see like it being uh, a definite, okay, like we're, we're really about to see the Eagles like take this home or was there no, was Um, there no point in the game where you were like, nobody has it. So towards the end of the game, Central was winning. I would say it was a lot of good, 
plays made in the game. Um, the last play when um, Central was winning and Shador threw the ball and they got a touchdown and everyone is just, do you hear Jackson State screaming and everyone just sitting there like dumbfounded, like everyone on Central side is sitting there like, oh my gosh. And for a second, I'm like, oh my gosh, no way they just beat them, but ended up tying the game. So I think that's when like, the momentum kind of gained back from from Central from the most part because they're like, okay, we're not letting them win. I feel like people – like Central was kind of based on we are not letting Jackson State win just because we're not letting them, um, you know, come in here and think they're better than everybody else. Um, and we worked hard for this. Like we want to show the world why we are the best, why we're better than Jackson State. And once the overtime came and Central got their first touchdown – then when it got to Jackson and the um, player dropped the ball, I think um, that was kind of like a, oh, my gosh, like he just dropped the ball. And then the last play when he wasn't um, – Shador wasn't able to throw another touchdown. And everybody just sat there. I think it was like a pause for a second. But once they realized, like, oh, my gosh, the game's over, um, and they all just started running on the field. Like when I was recording – one of the players like threw his helmets. I was trying not to trip over one. Um, they had the confetti going, like they were making snow angels in the confetti. Um, it was just so many different reactions. Like there were players screaming, there was some on the floor on the ground crying. Like it was just so, it was such a wonderful atmosphere to be in. Like it was just so a mix of emotions. And it was just like you had to be there. <laughs> wow. What an experience. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's insane. I'm I'm happy that this is um this is the conclusion of the celebration bowl. Um I'm really happy that you got to go and um experience that um and report on that for Anscape. But I mean, that's that wraps up football season pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. Um now it's really on the basketballs. We're starting up. That's going to segue us into our next segment, which is going to be about underprivileged basketball players, um, well, youth basketball players getting priced out their own game. Uh, When you are taking into account the intense and expensive process of making it from little leagues to the professionals, the the amateur athletic union basketball or like AAU basketball is more than what the average American makes in a month, according to hoopaddict.com. One season of AAU basketball can cost between $400 to $4,500. And the importance of these um, out-of-season leagues um, or private training sessions is that um, middle and upper-class youth players have the, come from the financial background, come from financial families that can support that. Whereas um, people who are living on the poverty line or um, lower-income players are not able to um, amount for that and they can only really play for middle and high school ball where it's free and these are really turning the stakes over for NBA statistics where the backgrounds of these players are not like um, Allen Iverson, Iverson and LeBron James who talk about it all the time they came from rags to riches they they came from the bottom and they rose to the top with little to nothing so um I really have Scott or one of our fellows who is a basketball fanatic to come on here and really speak his, his mind on it. We had a conversation earlier this week about like the nitty gritty of 
all the um, the categories of AAU basketball and what it really means now and how extensive that these coaches and players really get into it. So, Scott, what do you think? I totally agree with you. I think that it's ridiculous how expensive um, AAU is, like you said. This is sometimes what some Americans make more, you know, than their monthly income is going to these tournaments, going to the gear and stuff. And again, I think when AAU is used the right way, I think it's a great, you make some lifelong friends. And, you know, if you're one of the better players or who are fortunate to get that opportunity, you know, you can get scholarship offers and you can go to college for free. But then on the flip side of it, there's a ton of people who they're paying, you know, hundreds of hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars for trainers, private school, prep school, um, to be on these teams. And they don't even get any real offers, you know. So, again, it's just I think it's a shame that it's a, more of a business entity for some of these um, programs and an actual tool to help kids get to the next level. There's an um, ESPN article written by Pete Keating um, with some statistics about um, how the um, NBA demographics have changed um, in the last 50 years. So uh, a lower class, uh, a child coming from a lower class family, I should say has a 37% lower chance of making it to the NBA than a middle or upper class child. Um, and these stats have drastically changed since the seventies because 90% of NBA players from around that time were from urban areas, but it's changed, it's changed dramatically because once, you know, the NBA started gaining more and more popularity, um, more and more championships started to happen. Additional professional teams started to be added to the league collegiate basketball programs started to strengthening their recruitment strategies. And then from then on, it all doiled down to high school and now even middle school basketball kids needing to really bring on the, the pressure from coming from um, private coaching, private training sessions, weight training, morning and night, the summer leagues. And, you know, what we're talking about now, which is all co coming out of their parents' pockets to make it to the ultimate goal of getting drafted. But these are only possibilities. And it's not impossible. You can play anything you do, you can do anything you put your mind to. But when it comes down to it, money does make the world go round. And there is a hefty price tag on all of these things. Yeah, I think I think that you hit it right on the nose that, you know, there's a price tag on everything. And like you said, you know, back in the day, a lot of players they were coming from underprivileged areas. And now, you know. I still think some of these underprivileged areas have the better players, but you have kids who are coming from middle class or upper or, you know, more wealthier families. They've had the best trainers. You know, it, it's showing that these are the kids who are now getting those scholarship offers that might have went to a kid who might have been more of a project in the sense of, you know, they might not have all the fine polishing of some of these other players. But, you know, they had the raw talent. But now you have kids with less raw talent who are getting recruited just because, again, they've been going to these trainers, been going to these private schools since first grade. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, sometimes we'll see, like, on YouTube, while, you know, we're ranking in video recording third graders, you know, best third grader in the world. Like, you know, wait a second. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, again, I think it's a, a business. I think that it's crazy. And it's just, again, like you said, kids are getting outpriced and, it's kids who look like us. And I think that's the most interesting thing that, again, it used to be a lot more, you know, African-American and black players. And now we see some guys who aren't that, you know, who are getting those same offers that we used to. Yeah. And I, um, I wonder how we can like possible solutions that we can to fix this issue, like whether it's teams having the fundraise before the season or however that might work. Um, I feel like what we can't do is just sit around the ladders to keep happening. Like we must do something to allow these players to have those resources without 
um, you know, struggling and really like debating, like, is this something I really want to do? Because it costs so much money. And, you know, you don't want to go through in life and have to not do something because you can't afford it. Something that like can become your passion. Um, I feel like there's some solutions that we might have to discover within this process and something that will allow these kids to play and show why, you know, we are the best. We deserve to be here. And see, that's a good point. And also, uh, Scott was also explaining um, to me a couple of days ago how there are sponsorships for these teams, these summer league teams, in which um, players who even like either already have offers or are ranked um, in their state or nationally pretty high up will get sponsored or like a free slot on the team where the travel costs and their jerseys and their their shoes and stuff are already paid for. Whereas, I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of how it is in a lot of other areas in life. Like, I mean, like if you're the best, then you're going to get a free ride to college. If you're the best, then you're going to get um, you know, a, a record deal. Like that's just kind of how life works. However, like I think fundraising would be a good tool. I think um, schools that do have like an abundance of money in their athletic budget can fund for their their kids to like sign up for whatever AAU team is closest to them in their like private homes and pay for them to like do stuff over the summer. Um, whereas instead of just coming into their own high school gym and um, practicing for their their high school team, they can develop outside so they can have like a- athletic excellence after high school. I think those would be better. And even um, like like Title IX schools or schools that don't have um, good athletic budgeting, I feel like the state or even players like I was saying, like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, who always really do give back, they can start to step in and help. Um, you know, balance out the playing fields for this because there isn't much you can do about inflation and things just costing more. Everything costs more. But the the financial demographics for these NBA players now just looks completely different what it did 40, 50 years ago. And it's just going to continue to change because these these are just the numbers. And you're getting priced out of a game that you care about and that you can play. You just don't got the reps. Yeah, I think that you make a good point that there are definitely some um, alternate solutions to it. Like you said, people are getting priced out and that, you know, some people can't even focus on their high school season or their in-sports season because, again, they got to worry about AAU and stuff like that. And, again, just going back to the um, the sponsored teams, you know, we have the Adidas circuit, the EYBL, which is Nike, and the UA circuit, which is Under Armour, the three major circuits where a lot of, like, D1 recruits are produced. And, again – you know, some of the top guys, they're, they're not paying, you know, for it, whereas sometimes the B teams, some of the guys who aren't, don't have as much clout, for instance, you know, they're paying, they're kind of basically funding the team, which I don't think is fair to the players, whatever. And then on top of that, too, you also have, you know, it's not even always just, okay, for instance, like there's teams that are, um, let's say, based out of Maryland, for instance. You have guys from Pennsylvania, Virginia, other teams, and I'm not saying that, you know, those states aren't close to Maryland, but it's not even a team of, you know, again, all all Maryland people. So it's just stuff like that. Like, you know, people are really getting priced out as well as they're just not getting access to the same exposure. Like I do definitely feel that talent is evenly distributed, but I don't feel like opportunity is because again, if you aren't on that circuit, it doesn't matter if you the best player in the world, if you know, no coach has ever seen you play, you know, you're not going to get that offer. So I definitely think we need to look at this because again, basketball, a draw to it, especially in urban communities was all you needed was a ball and a hoop to be able to play. 
and you know, and it gave people a real opportunity to do it. Whereas now, it doesn't matter if you have that ball in a hoop, you can be the best, you know, street ball player in the world. But again, if you're not playing on the right circuits in front of the right coaches, you know, you're not going to go anywhere with it. You're just going to be another neighborhood legend. Yeah, and I feel like the basketball world just continues to change every year. So we will eventually reach a solution and these players will get the recognition and the resources that they need in order to get where they wish to be. So you guys know that the holidays are here. I'm home now and Christmas is only a week away. Um, we kind of, I kind of want to ask you guys about your favorite. So my favorite Christmas song is Let It Snow by Voice to Men. Oh, I love that song so much. I will play it a thousand times. Um, what's, what are y'all favorite songs? My favorite Christmas song is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Frank Sinatra. Oh, I love the strings and the orchestra behind it. <laughs> y'all don't play that song around me. It just gives me so much nostalgia. That and y'all go ahead and play the whole Polar Express soundtrack for me, and it's over. <laughs> oh man, none of you guys even said the goat herself, Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas—that, <laughs> that, that—that is—that's my goat. Um, love everything Mariah Carey. I think she's a beautiful voice. And on top of that, too, I also like Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. You know, that's a classic. So I just, I just love all Christmas music and that whole jolly spirit. Yeah, I just, I'm an R&B soul. So that R&B Let It Snow, oh, you can play it so many times. And Mariah Carey, she gets a pass sometimes too. But I know she makes like- Sometimes. She, no, oh, she man. makes so much money. She can buy a small island with the funds she's made just from that one song. She, and she makes like millions every Christmas um holiday, like every time, every year. It's I so- can't see that. Uh, I wish I was like- but then i mean for my favorite christmas activity truthfully i love i started um going to see the um the washington ballet do the nutcracker a few years ago uh and i just have to go every year i'm going to new york this christmas and i want to go see the um the school of american ballet do the nutcracker but uh, i love 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 seeing the nutcracker every christmas I would say my favorite part of Christmas is just being around my family. Um, Over the years, you know, I've lost like my grandparents. So, you know, usually like house hop during the holidays. Now I'm just in my home. So being able to spend time with my family and recently, like we started to play games every year. Like I would, everybody would come with a new game that they found in the store. So just being able to laugh and, um, be with my family because I can't do that throughout the school year. Scott, what's your favorite event? Uh, definitely spend time with family. I think that's always a great thing around the holidays. Um, I love decorating the tree. Like, I think that's always fun. And then one thing that my dad made us do ever since we were kids, we weren't allowed to open our presents until like we went out and did service. So every Christmas, oh, I love we usually go into DC and um, give back. So I just think, again, just spreading that Christmas joy. I think that's one of my favorite traditions. I love That's it. That's nice. Oh, your dad read you right. Yes. <laughs> so listeners, like, what is your favorite part about Christmas? And how do you get yourself in the Christmas spirit? Let us know in the comments and also tell us um, how you guys think about the Celebration Bowl and about um, Black youth getting priced out of youth basketball. That's it for today's episode. To our audience, thank you for tuning in to- Um, for another episode of the fellows podcast we like to give a special thanks to um 
my co-host Alexis Black and Scott Lipscomb and um, Bill Roden. We would like to give an extra thanks to Parker Owens and the ESPN digital audio audio content team. And we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Get all of your Roden Fellows podcast episodes and HBCU podcasts by subscribing to the Anscape Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next year for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to go on the Anscape website to look at the latest news and insight. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, you guys. Happy holidays.